0: Hi, I'm Linise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat, Love, Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Mandy Manners. Mandy is a mindset and recovery coach who coaches women to harness their decision to go sober, to pivot from surviving to thriving in all areas of their lives. She also works to raise awareness and to destigmatize experiences of trauma, mental illness, and substance abuse disorders by telling her story. She's a co-founder of Love Sober, a hub for one-to-one coaching, coaches, workshops and community and also hosts the Love Sober podcast with Kate Bailey and their first book, which is very exciting, Love Yourself Sober, a self-care guide to alcohol-free living for busy mothers will be published September this year by Trigger Publishing. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I feel really yeah, it's a it's a timely conversation, I think. So, I'm excited. So, let's start off with a question I ask all of my guests.
0: Tell us a story of your first period.
1: Um well, I got my period quite late, um, so I was, I think I was 14, I'm pretty sure 14 or 15. I remember it feeling very, very late in comparison to my friends, um, and I was away from home. I was staying with some friends that I used to go and stay with in the summer um, in Kent, and it was quite funny because it was kind of that year, that summer of kind of like lots of things happening Um I remember having a conversation with my friends beforehand and they both had their period and we were talking about sex. And I was like, so if I haven't had my period, uh, granted, I'd never kissed a boy at this point. It's like if I ha- haven't got my period and um, then I can have sex and not get pregnant. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like totally just going to like have all the sex, even though I'd like not kissed a boy. Um, and then I got my period and I was really disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Um, and then I kissed a boy and then I got boobs all in that summer. So I kind of came back to school and, and everyone was just like, wow, what happened? You know, that kind of transformation. So I was really excited. I, you know, I, I was ready and I wanted it to happen. And then, you know, after I had it, I was like, oh, it's not actually that that great <laughs> after all. Um. So, yeah, so, it, you know, it was i never had any really bad kind of PMT or or period pains or anything i was quite lucky really um so yeah that was my first one
0: so you were away from home for your first period yeah
1: how did you know what to do um friends i mean luckily i was with two friends and they were sisters and um and so they just sorted me out um you know gave me some pads and um yeah and their mum was quite open so i talked to her and um yeah so they just helped me out with it and I mean everyone else had had their periods, so I'd seen everyone and I'd kind of had sleepovers where people had leaked and you know all the tra- trauma of all that so I kind of just um I was pretty well prepared I mean I didn't talk to my mum about it I think being that age that bit later I was kind of already shut off to those conversations with my mum so um I remember she kind of asked me once and I was like yeah it's fine." and that was the end of the conversation so bless her I mean I I think she would have loved to talk more openly but I was closed to that conversation really and so how
0: did you 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 having had your first period and gotten the support from your mum's your friend's mum then how did you carry on your education around menstrual health what did you what did you do
1: but well, that was it, to be honest. I mean, I had no sort of education around mental uh, sort of menstrual health up until I'd say I was in my 30s. I mean, I really, you know, I, I had kind of the basic information from my friends. Uh, you know, I read a bit on the back of packets of tampons about, you know, how to use them properly. Um, it was a big shift for me from going from towels to tampons because I really didn't like sort of external bleeding. And I was really... I've I, was really ashamed and also I had two older brothers um so I had that kind of rhetoric within the home of like oh it's gross and like you know so I kind of just shut up about it really um and and didn't have any connection with my my menstrual blood or anything until I switched to cups when I was kind of in my 30s and I think that was that's when I really learned about periods really.
0: So. so what, what made you make the, make the switch? So you started with towels and then you went to tampons and then you switched to a menstrual cup, which even now is still a bit unusual.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was a, fr- well, I, cause I had two kids um, and I just started to kind of feel tampons and it just didn't feel very nice and you know and I was kind of, kind of and I had a conversation with a friend I live in France I had a conversation with a friend and and she was like oh you know I switched to a cup and I'd seen them you know and been intrigued and but she's really tiny I mean she's sort of a size six and I was like what look, look I'm sure it works for you but like <laughs> um and she was like no 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 I actually have quite heavy periods so I think that's kind of a you know an assumption we make about people um so she was like just give it a go and and she gave a really kind of brilliant piece of advice she was like just stick with it because it you know it it will take about three months and I'm really glad she said that because at the beginning it was quite kind of messy and I wouldn't get the position right and you know and there were moments where I thought oh god I'm just going to give up with this but um I'm so glad I stuck with it because, um, well, A, I don't pay for any kind of, you know, uh, sanitary pads or anything anymore and it's good for the environment and and I really like it and I actually really like that connection with my cycle and, like, you know, I thought I had so much more blood than I actually do and um, I probably only have two days where I have to kind of change it really regularly. Other than that, like, I can – you know I change it twice a day or something um so yeah it's been a great change and I've actually sort of recommended it to quite a lot of my friends and I've got sort of four friends now that have switched cups. carbs um which is great um and this is about you know we're having more conversations about it now so yeah I definitely recommend it to people but just you know it takes a bit of time and work you know to kind of (laughs) yeah get it right yeah, it definitely it does
0: take time. I um, I I've, I've been using a cup for the last probably about five years, and I remember when I first started, I was just like, "How am I gonna do this? This is this is like, I don't know how this is gonna work for me." And then there were lots, there were lots of accidents, and mm. at one point, I was just like, "Should I?" switch back to tampons but using tampons never really sat right with me Mm. and I actually noticed that when I when I actually properly stopped using tampons and really gave the menstrual cup a go my periods actually got better um Mm. because I used to have really really painful periods and I think that you know you know sometimes with the tampons the cotton some of the cotton they like, you know, you see it coming out afterwards. And Mm. I think that was having a really negative effect on my periods. I mean, this is all me kind of like hypothesizing. I don't know for sure. Um, But yeah, definitely I agree with your advice of just sticking with it because Mm. it's just, it can be really life-changing financially. You're not spending so much money on tampons and pads and just – in terms of changing menstrual health can make a massive difference.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm so glad I did. I mean, it's difficult because my daughter's now 13. So I'm sure maybe we'll talk about this a bit more, but um, you know, so she's going through that experience um, and it's difficult because I mean, I think she's too young. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any advice for young kind of preteens sort of that age group? Because, I want her to be comfortable and I want it to be easy. Um but certainly for me using towels was the worst because it was just like I just didn't enjoy having that kind of exterior blood all the time. So I don't know. I mean what do you have any advice for young well there is so the I
0: don't have a daughter myself, but If I think about the other women who've been on the podcast with daughters, um, and the other women I've spoken to with daughters, it's early. Have a conversation early and often. You know, Mm -hmm. let them be really familiar with what's going on with you. You know, talk to them about your menstrual cup. Talk to them about your experience of having a period, but also let them know that what of what's normal and what isn't normal Mm. because what's what I've seen so far in doing this podcast is that if women have a period that is what they think is normal but isn't actually normal so really painful periods really heavy bleeding then they pass down that idea of normality quote-unquote to their to their daughters and then we perpetuate this cycle of thinking that periods are supposed to be painful. They're supposed to be really kind of like a gore, a horror show. Um, Mm. And it doesn't really, it doesn't have to be that way. So, you know, I, there is a couple of people on the podcast who've come on the podcast who talked about giving their daughters like a little gift to celebrate their first period. Woman, woman, she had a period party for her daughter. So, yeah definitely making like the starting the education early and then um just making it not a taboo you know removing that idea of shame and just having just having normal conversations about it just like you would with any other health health issue
1: mm. yeah it's i mean it's interesting cuz we live in france and her kind of sort of sexual she's doing sex ed at the moment and it's taken from a very biological point of view so they've been studying the body and the changes of the body and part of that is is periods and so she's had about two weeks of kind of talking about periods which she's found very uncomfortable um you know and the boys are making jokes and and that whole thing and they've even had kind of exams about it um and so she was just like, I don't understand why we have to go in so much detail, you know, and everyone has to talk about it. And I was like, I, I get it that it's kind of feels embarrassing right now, but you definitely will feel grateful for this information later. And you'll feel grateful that the boys know about it, too. So she's a bit like, because it is, I mean, it it just ties in with that time in your life where you're very self-conscious. So... Mm. It's like I get it. I get that you're self-conscious, but actually, this is all really good learning. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just so glad that people are talking about it. You know, more because it, there's nothing shameful, and that you know, I've li- I listen. Sharon, uh, London artist, is my friend, so I listened to her episode with you, and that, you know, that thing of kind of that shame of hiding tampons up your sleeve, and that whole thing that we do. It's just like. Yeah, enough. You know, it's it's mm. it's. I wonder, from a kind of feminist point of view, I wonder if there is something tied with that patriarchy of just like you know, you get to do the thing that we can't do, which is produce life. So we're going to make it this whole shameful thing. I don't know.
0: I think definitely with um, younger people, there is less shame because the conversations are more open. Um I mean it, you can't speak for everyone, but certainly the, um the women I've spoken to in their in their twenties really left that that idea of shame behind, and you know it is what it is, and there's so what if someone sees your tampon you know or your pad, you know it's you know no why is it a big deal
1: mm. yeah, long may it continue. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I'd like to talk about a little bit about how your journey from um, drinking alcohol to becoming sober and what effect that had on your period and the quality of your menstrual health.
1: Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I think, um, again, there's, you know, the cycles of change within women can be very kind of trigger points for Maladaptive behavior with alcohol. So, and there's so little data. Um, You know, the first uh, research was done in the 1990s of you know how alcohol affects the woman women's body, which is just incredible. You know, and and because of periods, because I was reading about it this morning, because um, beforehand, you know, we were seen as unstable data resources because we had you know such fluctuation in our change of kind of emotional state and so they just disregarded women from studies about alcohol and just focused on on men um and you know now i mean there's there's so much in that there's the fact that you know now the research is mandatory so we have a bit of data um the fact that you know women on the whole drink to change their mental state whereas men uh, drink to for social bonding so actually the reason why we use alcohol is very different um actually there are periods within your cycle where you will be more triggered to drink than than not because um what they call estrogen the gas pedal for substance use um because you know it's the kind of um what do they say? Uh, it influences the the neurotransmitters in the brain, um, and so dopamine, GABA, and glutamate, which is is all kind of related to alcohol use. Um, so actually, I think it's the luteal period, which is when you've got more progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually kind of a, a a better time for women in terms of um, being able to stop drinking. I mean, there's never like going to be the perfect day. So, you know, I always say to people, there will always be another party and another wedding. So do it today. Um, but certainly, you know, in terms of triggering or relapsing, I don't really like that word, but in terms of going back to relearning um, is a nicer phrase to drinking alcohol again and then stopping again, um, certainly, um, you know, before ovulation is a really bad point for women. Um, and I mean, what else? There, there's so much about that we're learning um, about the kind of craving brain and, and stress that modern women have. Uh, and that's a lot of reasons why women are drinking too much. And also we don't have, we have, generally uh, more fat in our system and less water um and so we kind of have m- more likeliness to get dependent on alcohol than men because they have more water to kind of uh, break down the alcohol in the system also we don't have an enzyme which is or very little of an enzyme called um dehydrogenase, i think it's called i've got it in my notes somewhere um, which men have, uh, which means that actually women—it's called dehydrogenase, um, which is what breaks down alcohol in the system—and women have very little of that, and men have much more. So actually, when you start getting data on women's drinking, it's extremely bad for women's bodies. Um, and so, how has stopping drinking affected my menstrual health? Um, well, I've had to learn different tools to um sort of look after my my stress responses and my moods um you know I don't numb out my emotions with alcohol anymore so that kind of self-awareness and those using kind of healthy strategies have um have helped I certainly don't get any sort of menstrual pain anymore um and I yeah as I say I mean I made the switch to cups since I've been sober so I think that that shows that kind of the way that I treat my body and what's in my body and how I feel about sort of respecting my body has been you know part of my sobriety you know and I feel very strongly you know it's been a massive journey of self-compassion and me letting go of shame of you know past mistakes me sort of facing trauma me looking after my mental health because a lot of my drinking was to do with you know underlying anxiety and depression um and so all of that kind of has had a positive impact on on my body and 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 so because of that my menstrual health
0: said so many interesting facts there so you said that estrogen is the gas pedal for substance abuse and that's really interesting because if we split our cycle um, into two parts. So the first part where the body is really focused on conception, we have more estrogen then, we have more testosterone. And typically this is actually the time when it's a good thing to start something new um, because, you know, we're more confident during this phase of our cycle. We're more, we're more social, we're more open to uh, to change. And so I can see how, that can be a negative as well mm. in terms of if you have a tendency towards addiction or substance abuse that rise and you that we call it a kind of exuberance can be in the really negative, negative thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, they call it the the party period. So, you know, it's, a, it's a part of, of that kind of, uh, yeah, excess exuberance, et cetera. Whereas, you know, I think it's the, the second phrase when you've got more progesterone in the system it's called the the brake pedal because um, you know you've got increased GABA so you're more relaxed and you're more kind of um, poised and actually I was talking to a woman yesterday who um, you know she, using her own language because I don't like to label people but she, you know she's a recovering drug and drug addict and alcoholic Uh, And she actually, when she went into treatment, uh, sort of when she finally kind of wanted to stop, she went in specifically for two months to um, have a full kind of menstrual cycle, because I mean, this is back in the 90s, she's been kind of sober for 18 years, but she felt like she binged or she went to excess you know within her cycle and so it was really important for her to to have that two months in order to go through that full cycle to be able to cope with all those parts of her period which I just think is incredible kind of insight um and again it comes back to how we're treating kind of uh, addiction and mental health in the fact that you know, as a woman, when we, we need that time, you know, so a programme that's a month long is not going to be uh, particularly accessible or useful. Um, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a link between progesterone levels and neuroplasticity, like we're more open to changing within that period as well. So, again, all the data is really, really sort of new, Um But it's certainly an area that I'm really interested to, to sort of investigate more. And again, with menopause, it seems to be a very key point where women are drinking more um, because of this massive change, you know. And, And we have so much in our lives which is impactful and traumatic as women. You know, just giving birth is hugely traumatic Um, And if you look at the brain and the areas that are affected and susceptible to alcohol use disorders, you know, a brain that has any trauma is much more um, susceptible as well as a a brain that has any kind of mental health issues. So if you've got, you know, postnatal depression or, you know, you had a traumatic birth and then you're kind of um, lonely and you're stuck at home and you've got this whole change in your um Social situation and hormonally, you know, you're also extremely susceptible to alcohol use disorder. And this is the point where, you know, marketing and alcohol industries are like, you know, drink wine, have pink gin, you know, take strong alcohols. So, I mean, I think back in the day, I don't think anyone realized it's like smoking. No one realized the kind of how impactful it was. But certainly, you know, alcohol producers now know how detrimental it is to women's health and they still target us um, which is why I, I guess part of being sober is that activism and that's what I love because it's like you know, actually <laughs> you know I love myself enough to make good choices about my health so.
0: And in the work that you do do you build in um, so you mentioned that the, the one woman you spoke to who when she went into Um, recovery she built into menstrual cycles is that sort of thinking the the way you build that thinking into your work with other women
1: well we certainly will I mean we're in the process of uh, writing a kind of our sober school so the the kind of first three months to kind of help women with the change And, and part of that is looking at where you are in your in your female experience you know uh, and especially as a mum, you know, are you, uh, are you a young, with young kids or are your kids leaving home? And so you've got that kind of, what do I do now? You know, are you or You know, all of these things are impactful. So certainly it will be part of the programmes that we're building. And, and I mean, the frustrating thing is, is there's so little information out there. So, you know, every day I read something and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, this is another thing, you know? Um, uh, what's great about it is that we will st- keep sort of having these conversations but for sure it's it's hugely important and for women to know that okay like watch out for this you know like your eastern levels are rising and and this is going to be difficult for you this part of your you know your cycle so maybe don't go to that party that weekend you know just sort of go in your woman cave and and stay in bed and look after yourself and um yeah sort of choose be that kind of mindful living of choosing when and what you want to do and so much of women's drinking is social anxiety and and because we're introverted or we're highly sensitive and you know we're putting ourselves in positions to be social when actually it's the it's not the right moment and you know you can feel it and one of the great things about when you stop drinking is that you become more connected to yourself. and you know, you know, you've got that feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like, I don't really want to go, but we ignore that. You know, we ignore all these red flags of I'm too stressed, or, I'm too tired, or I'm got period pains, or whatever. Um, and then we we drink because we don't really want to be there anyway. You know, mm. and when you really want to do something, you really want to do it. There's no doubt in it. It's just like, yeah, like because it's people that you love and it's people that you trust, and you know you're going to have a great time um but it's actually and especially when you've got kids it's like we're tired and it's okay to be tired you know mm. we're not we're not 18 anymore and that's okay and the things we did when we were 18 were age appropriate but doing it when you're 35 or 40 is kind of and a parent and responsible for others it kind of doesn't it jars with our values it's like I know that I shouldn't I don't want to be hung over because that's not cool you know mm. um yeah.
0: What you were saying about the alcohol marketing, and I think I think culturally there's in the UK there's a real link between um, alcohol for women and having a good time, and then there's also this connection with wine o'clock. So you have kids, and you're just looking forward to that time when it's it's culturally appropriate to have a glass of wine, and that's when you can start your drinking. And it's been really interesting for me since I stopped drinking, um, to kind of shift away from that that idea that I need to use alcohol to tap down my experience of having a having a child because having a child is so traumatic that I need to drink um, and moving away from that. And actually, what you said that you said something about alcohol being, Uh, That really detrimental to women's health and I think that's a really important message because uh, because of you know our liver we talked about hormones but our livers are where we detoxify our hormones and when we're drinking we our body prioritizes getting rid of alcohol over all of our liver's other functions and so you, I see this with my clients where when they actually reduce their alcohol intake or stop drinking altogether, it has a dramatic effect on their health, their hormones, their periods. So I think it's really, um, really important for women to really take a look in, like, in detail in the kind of cultural messages that they're taking in and, and really ask themselves, well, why do I need to have a drink because it's one o'clock do I really want this mm-hmm.
1: yeah and you know it's not about I mean people can do whatever they want I mean you know I'm not I'm not an abolitionist well <laughs> I don't think the world would be a, a worse place if alcohol didn't exist but it is it is here but it's about having an informed choice you know and and we don't have that and especially for women you you know there is there's people don't know this stuff you know and even stuff I've read this morning I'm like oh my goodness I did not know that you know I did I knew that we we weren't um, involved in sort of um, experiments about alcohol on the body before 1990 but I didn't realize that it was because we have periods and because that makes us unstable subjects and and so and who knows that I mean and I mean I read books about sobriety every day but like sort of the average person and what you said about that kind of you know um, the social messaging about it being a treat uh, is really really important and you know I'm quite lucky that I grew up uh, I've lived in France for the last sort of 12 years where alcohol advertising is actually really heavily um, sort of monitored and they they can only advertise you know there's no advertising it's called the elvin law there's no advertising for on sports events for alcohol um, and you can't advertise alcohol to be um, aspirational or uh, romantic or in any way kind of um, yeah seen as a treat or, or part of a social structure the only thing you can advertise is you know where the wine comes from and um, the vineyard and the kind of heritage of it that's all you can't use it in any way aspirationally um, and so when I come back to the UK you know I have that comparison and get, and my kids say it you know we're on the tube and they're like oh my goodness mummy like you know alcohol's everywhere and it is um, and we're not immune to that kind of messaging and you know and it's in and, I, and since I've been talking with friends uh, in France about sort of about the UK and the US and and what's going on with alcohol for women. They've said that they've started to notice, you know, how much drinking there is in, in series, American series, you know, that people are watching TV and they're having a glass of wine and you just don't have that in French culture. Not to say there aren't problems with alcohol. There definitely are because it's a drug and it's addictive. So, you know, the, it's still there, but certainly the kind of messaging and, you know, the mummy, mummy needs wine and, um, I mean, I saw something yesterday, which was a for a, a tin of, of wine, you know, that you can buy from this. And it says, for your purse, for your desk, uh, and for, what was it, the other one, um, for when, for the good days and for the bad or something. And it was like, that's really wrong. You know, you're kind, you're advocating using alcohol to self-medicate. Um, so... There's a lot of work to be done, but you know I really love that you're interested in this and uh, you know I'd love for you to come on our podcast because I mean it is hugely important for women to see that it does impact on their menstrual health you know um, another good reason to be sober really so
0: what would you say to a, a woman who she she's been listening to this podcast and she's she's starting to question some of the messages that she's been she's internalised about alcohol um, and starting to think, well, maybe it is having an effect on my period um, and the amount of pain that I'm experiencing. What would you say an, a, a logical next step would be for her?
1: Well, I think it's great to take um, a sort of, be a detective really, you know, take a sort of an investigative um, point of view and just you know go day by day and go right okay I mean I will sort of caveat that if if someone thinks that they have sort of alcohol dependency if they are um drinking you know a lot every day if they struggle to go a day without alcohol if they have got physical symptoms um like shaking like um sort of um Trying to think what else might come up. If if you're in any way cons, concerned, you know you should see your doctor because there could be um, withdrawal. It could be very severe for someone that's dependent, so you need help. If you kind of associate as what we call like a grey area drinker, so it's like you don't drink, you know, at a wedding and never think about it um, between times, but you're not kind of um, drinking heavily throughout the day for example um then yeah it's just just take take a day you know and see how it feels take another day see how it feels and just keep that going you know if you try and project right I'm gonna stop for a year it's incredibly intimidating so just take it day by day and just go oh how does this feel like write a diary you know from the start date how do I feel today what was hard what was what was good, and keep going get support. I mean we have a free community that people can join It's really really helpful to hear other women's stories and be in connection with other women um, and then just keep going day by day and and just recognize that the f- the first month you will be detoxing, so it's not the best the nicest period, so keep going you know after. Two months, how do I feel? What would three months feel like? You know, how do I feel? What will four months feel like? And just keep that kind of um investigative kind of spirit. Um, and note the changes, really see like, oh, my skin feel looks better, like my eyes are brighter, I don't have as much pain when I get my period. Um Yeah, I mean that's that's how I would approach it. Get support, document the changes and just have an open mind about it
0: what do you think about um things like um sober january or um stoptober
1: um i have mixed uh feelings i think it's very good if people um to as a line of inquiry I mean it's very good because it's a good excuse for people to say oh I'm doing dry Januarys," you know because it's quite hard to sort of start um it's very good in terms of inquiry like how easy is this how hard is this you know um can I do it or not and those are all indicators of perhaps where you are on the dependent scale because you know alcohol dependence it's not just black and white you know you could be very high functioning doing really well and still have a drinking problem I mean I did you know and I don't class myself as an alcoholic um, but I certainly had a problem with drinking and I certainly drank uh, I binge drank and I drank to you know numb my emotions etc I think the difficulty and the kind of problem with month challenges is that people tend to just white knuckle it and you know just rely on willpower and then they get to the end of the month and it's kind of like oh I done my goal and then you just go back to exactly the same habit Uh, and that's coming from sort of um personal experience too because I definitely did that many many times and then it'd be like oh I don't have a problem and then I'd just go back to how I was before so um I think certainly it's a good way of having a bit of inquiry, but look at it as your first milestone, not a goal to achieve, because when you achieve a goal, then you just go back to the same sort of behavior as before. Whereas if it's a milestone, it's kind of like doing a marathon, you know, you're like, yeah, like one mile, like keep going kind of thing, you know, two miles, two months, whatever, keep going. So yeah, I mean, it's good and bad. And certainly some of the some of the marketing around it is slightly um, interesting, especially it's October, I think, which is for a cancer charity. And then you've got kind of these sort of messages which are don't talk about alcohol and cancer at all. So, uh, you know, anything's anything that gets people to investigate and ask questions, I think, is is great. So.
0: So we, what you're saying is, they need to go into it with the right mindset and really look at it as an opportunity to change their habits, rather than just thinking of it as white one one month of white knuckling in it, as you say. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit more about the the community and that you founded, Love Sober. Um,
1: yeah. So we have. I mean Kate and I are both coaches so we work with one-to-one um I I tend to work with people that have already stopped drinking and now they're kind it's the what now question it's like I've done this but then it's like the uh, you know I want to I want my life to represent this change you know um we do also we're writing a program for for a sober school where people which will be very much that sort of mindset and habit change um, which will you know be available sort of midway through this year um, we have the book that's coming out in September which is kind of a quick quit lit book for mums because I think you know we've recognized that mums are have a lot of stress a lot of um overwhelm a lot of you know we're caretakers we're looking after everyone else and we don't we lose that ability to look after ourselves or never had it um and so it's a really key kind of point and area for women with their drinking um and then we have a free facebook group which is great uh, there's about 250 women all around the world, um, we focus very much on kind of positive sobriety. So, you know, it's not about sort of abstinence and and this being really hard. It's about sort of you know what what do I get? So you know, we have treat Friday. So it's it's like okay, you know, what are you going to do as a treat today? Like have a nice bath, or you know, buy yourself some fresh flowers, or you know, meet a friend for coffee, or um, go to bed early change the sheets clean your bed you know make yourself have a nice cake whatever like it doesn't have to be that your life is miserable because you don't drink it's about finding other things to add in um you know we focus on yoga and 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 health and mental health um and just peer support you know helping each other out telling our stories there's no shame um you know it's for sober and sober curious women so if you're you haven't stopped drinking but you you Kind of think you want to, then you're most welcome to come and and you know blog and and we do a daily check in. So some people, it's like it's day one again, and it's like, but you learned something, you know? What did you learn? Let's crack on again. It's fine, you know. And um, I I couldn't count how many day ones I had. I had so many. Uh, and it, I mean, I first stopped drinking when I was 25, <laughs> and I'm nearly 40. Um, so yeah I did you know I stopped before I got pregnant with my first child um then I stopped because I had a very bad sort of period of depression and and burnout from work when I was 27 no 30 no sorry 32 and then I finally stopped when I was 37 so you know it's it's, it's not a path that is linear it for many many people and that's fine you know because you you keep learning and you keep just doing the days and you keep understanding something about yourself and you can always come back and try again you know
0: so Mm. So if, if listeners could take one thing away from what you've been saying um what would you want that to be
1: um just that we have one precious life and you know and there might have been things that suited you at one point in your life but they don't suit you anymore and that's okay and we're allowed to change and um you can change um and but you need support so whatever that looks like, you know, it might not be our group. That's fine. You know, there are so many groups on Facebook. Go on Instagram and you know, follow hashtag sober or sober life or love sober, and you know, reach out and connect with people. And um, and the impact on your menstrual health will improve. Um, and I'm so you know happy that you're sober and it's it's helped you. You know, so that's amazing. So
0: where where can shows find out more about love sober um if they want to join the facebook group how do they do that
1: um well they can it's probably easier just to go to the site um so it's www.lovesober.com um and then there's a a click link to the community um you can join our newsletter we just do one newsletter a month which is just sort of a little pep talk and then kind of what we're up to who's on the podcast we have a lot of guests on the podcast and um yeah and then just or just send us a i'm on instagram mandy underscore sober, or our kind of main page is at love.sober.co so you can just send us a message there and yeah brilliant
0: thank you so much for coming on the show today mandy
1: oh my pleasure thank you and i i I really value what you're doing and i i think it's amazing and i i really really hope this resonates with people and and i'd love yeah for you to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about that the sort of the the female experience in the female body and and how what we put inside our body can impact on our menstrual health i think it's fascinating so thank you thank you
0: For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Linise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.